Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Amen. Bury the Lord with its spouse. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Gospel, we can comment on it from many aspects. It takes place on the Lake of Gennesaret, also called the Sea of Galilee, which is a lake in the Holy Land, about 14 miles long, about 6 miles across. And the northern shore, where the events took place from today's Gospel, has grass and some hills coming up from the shoreline. It makes it a type of amphitheater. I remember being there almost 25 years ago, and we were sitting on the lawn and looking out on the, the, the lake, and our guide commented how Jesus was practically wise, okay, uh, sound hearings across water. He went out into the boat so people could hear him, they could hear him very easily because the water carried the sound down and it reverberated off the, the hills, the gentle hills that slope up from the shoreline. And significant is that Jesus gets into Peter's boat. And part of today's gospel is really the call, the vocation from the Latin word vocare of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were all in business together as fishermen. And Jesus calls them to leave everything and to come and follow him. And <clears throat> Peter's call took place in, let's say, ordinary circumstances. They're carrying out their livelihood. And after preaching from Peter's boat, Jesus tells him to put out to shore to deeper waters and lower his net for a catch. Peter's a fisherman. He knows when the fish are biting and when they're not, or when they're able to be caught as they use nets. <clears throat> and he complains to the Lord, well, Lord, we've been at it all night. We've caught nothing. And then he reconsiders and says, but if you say so, go put out and lower the nets. Um, they do, and they take in such a great number of fish that it fills not only their boat, but the other boat almost to the point of sinking. And Peter then kneels down, humbles himself in the presence of the Lord, realizes that he was doubting, he lacked faith, and he's rather frightened because he realizes this was a miracle. He really doesn't understand the fullness of the truth about Jesus yet, but he says, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. He realizes that was lacking faith in Christ's words. And we see in this event really an experience we can all share in the presence of God, our nothingness. Kneeling is such a, a humbling posture. One of the reasons we kneel for communion, we believe this is our Lord and our God that we are receiving. And Peter we're not sure, but it appears he may acknowledge Jesus as God in this instant. <clears throat> and 
there is another level of meaning here too with this event. By choosing Peter's boat, Jesus makes a statement, you could say. He's singling out Peter for leadership in the church, and the boat that he gets in, commentators have said throughout the ages, great saints, that it represents the church, which is called the bark of Peter, the wood with which the boat of Peter was built. And Christ's presence in that boat represents, symbolizes, that Jesus will always be in his church. Jesus says this, for he ascends into heaven. I am with you always until the end of the world. How is he here? Well, in his teaching, but especially through his true, real, substantial presence in the Eucharist. And the large cache of fish, of course, symbolizes the great number of souls that the apostles, their successors, would catch for the Lord. And here we can consider another aspect of this gospel, <clears throat> the condition of our fallen human nature. After Adam's original sin, it is one of labor. In Genesis we read, one of the punishments for sin is that by the sweat of thy brow thou shalt eat thy bread. It wasn't to be that way in God's original plan. Work was supposed to be a joy, something that was pleasurable. And it's not now. It can be there is a sense of fulfillment that we get when we do a job well done. But oftentimes work is a toil and we earn it, especially manual labor by the sweat of our brow. Even if we're working in an office, things can get tedious, and work is, in this sense, a sacrifice, but a means for sanctification. We can say that it's, it would be sad, like the apostles did, to work hard and accomplish little or nothing, as these four apostles did the previous night of fishing. This may be likened to those who go through either part of their life or all of it, or most of it, in a state of separation from God, a state of mortal sin. We only have merit before God, before His eyes, if we are in a state of grace. Someone who is separated from Christ, the true vine, they can go out and do all the apparently good works in the eyes of the world that, that are possible, but it means nothing in the eyes of God if they are not attached to Christ the vine. Jesus tells us, without me you can do nothing, and we must be in a state of grace. Sirius separates us from that share of God's divine life that Jesus won for us on the cross that we receive in baptism that is with us always, unless and until we commit a serious sin. It's very easy to get that grace back. All we need to do is repent. <clears throat> and St. Paul um, really comments on this when he says, If I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass, a clanging cymbal, See, with sanctifying grace comes supernatural charity. 
Once we lose that divine grace, we do we lose supernatural terror, we lose that divine love that is supposed to dwell within us along with God's own divine life. And we can pity the farmer who may work very hard and then accomplishes nothing because of a drought or, or bad weather, but how sad for people to work all their life and never to attain the true end of our existence, the kingdom of God. One can gain all the riches and honors of this world, as we see so many of the rich and famous, but it has no value, none, in the eyes of God, for their own soul, if they are separated from Christ. And we must remember that for a work to be truly meritorious, it must be done with the intention of doing God's will and pleasing Him. And, you know, our purpose in this life is to know God, to love Him, and to serve Him, in order to be happy with Him in heaven. And we do things not for our own glory, we're supposed to do things for God's glory. That's the great motto of the Jesuits, their founder, St. Ignatius of Loyola, ad Iodum Dei Gloria, everything to the greater glory of God, not my glory, which is what we're inclined to do by reason of our fallen human nature, but the glory of God. And here we can, we can look at St. Paul's epistle today. You know, he speaks about, about suffering and, and the sufferings of this present time can't be compared with the glory that is to come, that is to be revealed in us. Our lot, after that fall of our first parents, is one of, of toil, labor in this world, and of suffering. We all experience it in one degree to another. And God wants us to sanctify not only our work, which can be a toil, but our suffering as well. Sometimes work is a suffering. We encounter all kinds of sufferings in our lives, some more than others. God never lays a cross on us heavier than we can bear. And we know in faith that through our sufferings, if we offer them up, accept them as part of God's love and providence, that this is, is truly, really sanctification. And this should fill our hearts with hope and confidence that no matter what we go through in our works and our daily labors and the trials and setbacks that we face in this life, or even physical, mental debilities, either ourselves or our loved ones, that if we persevere, know that in God's plan, all this has a meaning and purpose, which we will see in the kingdom, well then, our life has meaning, and even suffering has meaning. Let us take these words of St. Paul today uh, to heart, and know that any sufferings we endure in this present time cannot be compared with the glory that is to come, that God promises those who are faithful to Him, uh, that will be revealed to us in that glory in which we will share in the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.